Welcome to Smarter Selling Podcast. Are you a sales leader who wants to learn the latest in sales psychology, mindset, and strategies so you can enhance your own as well as your team's skills, performance, and results? You're in the right place. Now, let's hear from sales expert, sales trainer, and founder of Smarter Selling, Charmaine Keegan. So we're talking about business development, particularly business development is key to growing. So when I see business development, I wonder how it's even a topic. Isn't it the case that all reps are in business development, Charmaine? I know you think so, wouldn't you, Anne-Marie? I think some reps see their pile of to-do jobs and um, their emails and they a perfectionist may be, and I know occasionally that clients are in the way, you know, because I've got to get back to this. I've got all these things to do before the end of the day, and we and we laugh, but I've just dealt with a lot of them. Um, uh, the first point of call, they would be called the contact centre in a particular company or receptionist, and, you know, helping them realise that they are the director of first impressions, you know, that actually how they handle that call is going to determine whether that client comes with them before they then transfer the rapport onto somebody else, onto a salesperson. So we've got to completely look at it as sales leaders and realise that, yes, some of our team are going to see this call as getting in their way. And But, yes, all reps should be commercially minded and, and they, all, they all should be striving for more, better engagement with their client, better outcomes for their client, and um, therefore, that, that often means giving the client more than they thought they needed because that's the better outcome for the client. Yeah, great point. So I wonder, do you think different skills are needed for, for both those jobs? For instance, should a leader be choosing different personalities, say, for an account development versus business development? Yeah, that they should really. I mean, when we talk about business development, we talk about it in two parts, right? One part is business growth. So we call that on one side. Our circle is prospecting, that's proactive, that's getting new people in. That's like a hunter mentality, right? And the other side is account development. So yeah, look, we do a lot of, part of our system here, part of our valuation is a lot of profiling of team members done in the right way so they can understand their natural innate strength and where it may expend more energy to do something that's not naturally them, right? So it's not that we're better at things than others. It's sometimes that it's just easier for us. So a certain hunter, prospector, they love getting on the phone. They, they like quick wins. They often get turned on. They don't necessarily want to develop the client. They want to get to the next hit. Yeah, that person would be good as a hit them out of the doors and off they go like galloping and they, they're picking up new pieces of business as long as you direct them to the right pieces of business as in the target client that has that needs what you have, that's going to pay well, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you just need to make your target client. So, yes, a certain personality be very, very aligned with that and it won't take them much energy and effort. They like prospecting, like getting on the phone, like like engaging with new people, like putting forward a compelling reason for that client to buy. So, yeah, that would be a sort of hunter prospecting. And on the other side, we call them account developing. They're people that are going to protect and develop that account. It used to be called account managing, right? But we've changed that name because a lot of account managers just turned up and managed. They didn't actually protect and develop so people that are naturally good at that like nurturing they like carving off time to get in front of the key accounts and they're good at building rapport they're good at asking more questions each time they turn up and they need to make sure that they are thinking how can I protect this account so they like the long-term look on a on an account they like to keep an account for a long time the downside of that they may think it's their account and as a sales leader we might as you even say it's your account which makes it even worse because then they don't want to hand it over so you want to say this is the client this is our business account and you are caretaking it we actually call people caretakers here you're the caretaker right now you're the lead caretaker of that account it doesn't mean you own it because everybody in the business 
looks after that account. But yeah, in answer to your question, there are different skills needed for both the prospecting side and for the developing side. And of course, many people that listen to this, their team need to do both. And I guess on that, on both sides, it's, it's all about planning. It's all about planning. And some, some reps are just too busy. When I think about both sides, they, they flip from one problem to another. Their time has been dictated by their emails. So even if they're a small client, we call it the Debbie from Dubbo. Debbie from Dubbo has called up. She's worth like $50. Your biggest client's worth $40,000. But there she is again. She's called up and you're giving her 300% of your time again. Oh my goodness. So, so the key skill that a rep needs is the ability to be organized and prioritize, constantly know the priorities of the day, who is worth more money, who has the bigger propensity to buy, who is worth more money now and in the future. And for some reps, Anne-Marie, I can see that this is really hard because I want to treat everybody the same. So they treat everybody at 500% and don't differentiate between a client that's going to be a bigger worth to the business than another. They want to people please everybody. What ends up happening, as I'm getting to it, is because on that account development side, those big key accounts don't actually get looked after because the rep never gets found to look in after them because they're too busy juggling balls and putting out fires and not prioritise them, so you lose them. So, um, yeah, organisation for both sides, both business development as in prospecting and business development as in account development, organisation, prioritisation and focus are really, really key skills there for a leader to make sure they nurture that in their team. Yeah, so important. So I wonder, why do you think then that salespeople may not be internally driven to be more commercially minded? I mean, I thought all people in sales would be wanting to get in more business for the company. Mm. Talking now about personality style is making me think, if they've been brought in as an account developer, often they um, just want to look after that account. They don't realise the language from their boss isn't, are we protecting our market share and are we developing? So as a leader, we need to be saying things like, are we developing? What are you doing at turning up with value? Have you carved off time this week for your key account, two hours to look on LinkedIn, look on their website, ring them up, see how we can give extra value for them? Then they're not commercially minded. I think part of it is because they think they're just looking after the account and not really realizing they're there to develop the account. And on the other side, I think some people see sales still as salesy. You know, there's a lot of people coming through that are tech and IT and a lot of people coming through that are even NDIS and thing. And they they still have this sort of negative anchor with the word sales. They they cannot see that you're helping someone else. So that's all that selling is. It just has to be money involved, but you're asking intelligent, meaningful, relevant questions. You're understanding the client's need and then you're helping them. I mean, we should be so proud of that word. The, re- the reason it's got the word sales there is because a sale happens. Cha-ching, the till goes and some money comes your way. That's what they called selling, but you could just replace it with helping really. So I think that's another reason why they're not commercially minded because they think, you know, they think that they're persuading or influencing or pushing the client into because that's that, that could be, the anchor that they have without realising coming back a step, oh, actually, no, this is helping and developing and looking after the client. In fact, I have an obligation to ask these questions and understand the client. I have an obligation to put forward other options that are going to suit them. So, so true. So I wonder then, Charmaine, what would be a really good closing statement for sales leaders to really support their team? Biggest one, whether it's from the business development from both you know new business prospecting or on the other side, account developing, which is protecting and developing, is is so much down to organisation, planning, prioritisation, focus, carbon of time, getting rid of those emails, turning your notifications off, 
um, really going, I've got to look after this account and it's been two months. So I've got to spend two hours now on ringing around, looking at LinkedIn, you know, getting your team to prioritize a key account is the number one thing that you need to do. The next thing you need to do is making sure everyone's sold on their offering, you know, so they know all the different solutions and they know the features and benefits and the points of difference. Um, get them regular training. It could be external or internal on how to drive business. Look, there's little things like people often use upselling in business. I hate that word upselling. I, I really do. I think there's no reason for a, a sales leader to ever say to their team, want to, you know, have you upsold? Because that sounds like this, we're the old-fashioned sales here pushing our clients and upselling them. Instead, you just go, hey, you know, have you understood that client better? Because I think the client had A, B, and C, you know what? But when I look at the notes and CRM, I reckon they could also do with D, E, and F. You know, because remember, we as the salesperson have an obligation to understand that client and put forward what's right for them. You are the subject matter expert in your field, not the client. And I think as a sales leader, we need to bring that language back to that and remind our team that they are the experts, which means as a leader, going to make sure that they are the experts, you know, make sure they do regular industry training and they know the different competitors, they know the points of difference. What else can you do as a leader? making sure your team is sold, what they have, sold the price, and make sure that if they're on the account developing side, they've got more than one point of contact. We, we call that the one point of failure. I mean, luckily, the other day, actually, it wasn't too long ago, somebody said to me, if they hadn't have done their training, they did a two-day sales accelerator, they would have missed out and lost a key account because of this one point of failure business. Wow. What do you mean by one point of failure? Often a rep has one point of contact, in a business, you know, and if that's your key account, you have one point of contact. I mean, this particular rep is a really good story. They had one point of contact. And what you hear the rep say is, oh, they love us. You know, they always go with us. They're really, really sold. And I'd said to them a few months ago in the program, oh, that's called one point of failure. You know, that person left. Oh, they'll never leave. If they leave, you know, you've got no other contact in there. And, of course, what a rep goes to is, oh, if they leave, they go somewhere else. They'll take our business. They go, yeah, but it's your key account. And, you know, there's a danger there of having just one point of contact. And so I took them through the three ways of making sure you have more than one point of contact. And, yeah, when they called me, I mean, this is one little thing that we teach in that program. It's like it takes four minutes over, you know, a two-day program. But they called up to say, Charmaine, after that training, I realised I had one point of failure in quite a few of my key accounts. And so I did those things and I started to develop relationships around them. And, in fact, my biggest account, the person left and I realised that if I hadn't nurtured the next people, that we wouldn't be on the cards and we'd have lost basically 50% of our wow. profit came from that one client. So that's what I mean by that. And in, in for the sales leaders to make sure their team think about things like that and just language. Don't go and say to your team things like go and talk to more clients. I still hear leaders say that. Go and talk to more clients. It's like talk at more clients. No, go and listen to more clients. Let's go and find out and understand more clients. Let's go see if we can help more clients. So they're, they're, just, they're the sort of things that as a sales leader you can do. I mean, basically, I reckon as a sales leader, you can get 25% money right now when your team was sold on your offering, you know, and they understand things like buying habits and things like that right now, right today, so you can get 25% more money. All right. You cannot leave us with that. You need to explain a little bit more when you talk about 25% more right now. What do you mean? Well, I think most reps are doing the process but not thinking they're not being present. And if the rep isn't sold on everything you have, 
one or have not done a thorough research and engagement and understood the client, then they are constantly underselling. I think every business now could be 25% up. I mean, I've got so many stories. I mean, give one. I went to the pictures at the weekend. The butcher literally said at the end of each thing, is that it? Is that it? Is that it? Is that that is it? And on their butcher's paper, put a line under it. My eyes were even on food behind the counter that I, and I actually said out loud, oh, I wish I knew how to cook this Ozo Booker, whatever it's called. And rather than pick up on it and go, oh, this is how you cook it. Look, I write it down for you. No, they go, is that all? Is that all? Is that all? It's like the salesperson would never like to think it's them that undersells. And it's always the salesperson that undersells. In fact, I've got a cracking story for you. So I had to go to an event as a keynote speaker and they told me two days out that their biggest speaker wasn't working, although they're getting it fixed. I'm going to bring my own. This was about this was about eight years ago. So at the time, and there wasn't those small boom speakers that give a lot of output volume. And so I went into these sort of speaker places. My husband's a musician, so he came with me. And my husband went up to the counter with me and my husband said, I need a Let's call it a GX, a GX speaker, right? I don't know what it's called. And the guy tap, tap, tap on the computer, turned the screen to us, and there's the GX speaker. I just like a speaker to me. And the price was $257, right? And my husband sort of flinched. I could feel him flinch. I could feel he was embarrassed. And he said, oh, I was thinking more the VX version, let's say. And the, and the rep went, oh. And he turned the screen back, tap, 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 and turned it back to us again. And that speaker was $1,870. That's a big difference, Anne-Marie. So the one he offered us was 257. The one that my husband wanted was 1,870. And of course, as a sales trainer, I said to him, when my husband had gone, out of interest, why did you not offer that? He goes, oh, because it's so expensive. And there we have it, right? There we have it. You think your reps, look, reps bring in the money. The oxygen of the business is revenue and profit coming in. They need to be trained every day. I train my team every day. We have an evidence chat every morning. We talk about the top five obstacles every single day. I make sure they know their value and worth every single day. And most Leaders, when they do that, their team feel confident and able to handle this. You've got to make sure your team is sold on what they're selling. They know the value and worth of the client. You know, that owner of that business should be appalled that that rep isn't sold. It's not the rep's fault. It, you know, the rep needs to be taught by the manager. I actually said to him, why do you sell the other one? He goes, oh, my boss loves it. He sells them all the time. And I thought, well, if the apple hasn't dropped yet, you know, if that light bulb hasn't gone off, why? That's because the manager loves it. So therefore he knows the features and benefits, the points of difference, the unique selling points. He knows the value and worth. He asks the right questions and he puts it forward because he's excited about it where this rep isn't. Mm. So as a leader, you need to really shadow your reps, hear what they're saying. Don't just take it and they nod and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll sell the 1,871. Yeah, yeah. You've got to go, why would someone want to buy it? What's the value and worth to that? What questions would we ask Ask somebody that came in for that? Why would they want this one differently to the one that was 600 and the one that was 257? What's the differences between them? Because we have an obligation in the business to understand that customer before we put forward a solution. So have we asked all the right questions? And absolutely as a leader, are my team quite clearly sold on everything? And as a leader, I bet you're not listening to what your team have. They're on Zoom now. They could be working remotely. You're not out with them. So you've got to listen. You've got to look at the figures. What are they selling a lot of? What are they not selling at all? 
If they're not selling it at all, they'll tell you this. Oh, no, my clients don't like that. It's too expensive. That's rubbish. Just because they don't like it. They think it's too expensive. So as a leader, you could be up 25% more. I mean, I'm being conservative there, Emery. I reckon most companies could be up 100% today if they started to do more internal, proper coaching and product training on understanding the value and worth of what the solution is to a client and go through loads of different variables and then teach the team a sales process. The team can, with integrity, go in and engage with the client and ask all the right questions and listen Listen, listen, listen. Teach your team to listen. Most people are hard still because they're extroverts. Extroverts are good at talking. They're not good at listening. You need to help the team member realize that once you've turned up, plan and bed, that you're then present with the client and you're really listening. And now you know that team member's sold in all your offerings. They should be able to pick up the signals from a client and go, you know what? This is going to suit your purpose better. And they should put forward a 1,870 speaker to the right client. And that client should say, thank you. Oh, my goodness. That's exactly what we wanted. And really, that's, that's yeah, I'm getting a bit excited. Get, wow. get your team sold and what they're selling. Your profit would be like that. You've been listening to Smarter Selling Podcast. Want to have a highly skilled and confident team that'll create and leverage more opportunities for your business so you can get more sales? Our sales training programs will show you and your team how. To find out more, go to smarterselling.com.au.